We are in John's letter, 1 John. Last week we looked at chapter 1, and this morning we're going to look at part of chapter 2. Um, as I look through this, and as we even sang the songs today, we sang about God's love for us and our love for God. And this part of John's letter talks about um, just those very things. But I've found as we talk about love that in our culture today, we um, have lessened um, the meaning of love because of the various ways that we use that word. Now, I love building Lego. I love that. Um, I love hot tamales candy. I love M&Ms, and some of you had made sure that I've stayed in M&Ms the last few weeks, so I appreciate that. And I also love my wife. But my love for my wife is a little bit different than my love for Lego or my love for hot tamales candy or my love for, well, M&M's, that's a toss-up. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But we, we say we love hot dogs and we say we love our children and we realize that that love is different or at least it should be different, but we use the word love for so many different things that sometimes we lessen its meaning and it quickly falls off of our lips. I remember... I remember the first girl that um, I was in love with. I remember I told her one day, I, I love you. Now looking back on that some 55 years or so later, I realized I didn't have the foggiest idea what I was talking about. I had no idea what love was. It was what we have called, or some have called in the, in the past, puppy love. But then on the other hand, puppies really do love. But my love was incomplete. My knowledge of love was not uh, really deep, or did I understand the costs of love? And John deals with some of that uh, that love, God's love for us, our love for God, our love for each other are uh, packed into these, uh, these words from the Apostle John. Let me read um, part of this chapter to you. John writes, my little children, and he's really here talking about young children. It's like the children that were here on the steps this morning. These are not teenagers he's talking about. There's a different word for that. And he doesn't use the word adults. He uses this word that means little children. It's used of um, toddlers. It's used of 
infants. John here is saying, my little children, those ones in great need who can't necessarily feed themselves or clothe themselves, care for themselves. He's talking to them and he says, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Remember, just a little while before, John says, um, when we sin, if we sin, that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. And if he says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. John picks up that, uh, that concept again and he says, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. When our children are little, we teach them things so they will not be hurt. When we are walking down the street and we come to the corner, we, our children want to uh, step off the curb into the street, but we as good parents or grandparents grab a hold of the child's hand, our son's and daughter's hand, and we pull them back from the street. Because they don't know what happens if you walk into the street without looking. There could be a problem when child um, meets that, um, that object like a car. And so out of love, we hold them back. And as they grow up, they learn the discipline of not stepping off into the street without looking both ways. We teach them that not to be mean or cruel, but to save a life. And so John says here, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. I'm going to give you some instruction that will hold you back from the curb so you will not step out into danger. That's what his letter is about. But then he goes on to say, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We, want, we have one who pleads our case, who, who stands with us. This is the, the same word that's used of the Holy Spirit when Jesus says, I will send you a helper. I will send you one that will walk alongside you. The parakletos. And often when I hear that word parakletos, I think about what I wore when I was playing football in high school. We wore a pair of cleats on our feet. And those pair of cleats on our feet helped us to run and turn and not slip. And the Holy Spirit has that, that same work in our lives. He's that parakletos, the ones that helps us to run well, to be able to turn well, to not slip. And Jesus fills that same position here when John says that he is an advocate, he is a parakletos. And he stands before the Father and he is able to do that because he is righteous. Then John uses this 
this word, propitiation, doesn't roll off the tongue really well. Propitiation. He's a propitiation for our sins, and not only ours, but the sins of the whole world. Now, what does that propitiation mean? Um, some have said that it, that it means that Jesus died for our sins. Now, it's true that Jesus did die for our sins, but propitiation means that uh, when the wrath of God was turned away from us. Yes, Jesus saved us from our sins. He cleansed us from all unrighteousness by the, his blood that he uh, shed upon the cross as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He paid the price. But he also paid the price by turning God's wrath away. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, talks about the wrath of God that is going to be poured out on all creation. You see, God is not just disappointed with our sin. There is a holy wrath that comes from God upon our sin. If you don't think sin is a serious thing, go back and start reading through the Old Testament and see if God uh, turned a blind eye to sin and disobedience. He didn't. There is a wrath of God because of his holiness and our lack of holiness that needed to be turned away. And Jesus, by his death and resurrection, stands before the Father as our advocate and through his death has turned God's wrath away from us. And not only ours, but John writes here, the, the sin of the whole world. Now, some have made this out to mean uh, what we call universalism, that everybody gets saved because Jesus died on the cross. It doesn't matter what you believe or if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, we're all going to get saved in the end. Now, the scriptures are very clear that that's not what it teaches. But what's interesting in this, as I looked at it a little deeper this week, is that the word that John uses for word is the word cosmo. We get our word cosmos from it. It speaks of the whole of creation. And remember in uh, Paul's writing, Paul's letter to the Romans, um, in the eighth chapter, uh, it talks about being saved. It talks about being brought from darkness into light. It talks about our redemption. In the midst of that, uh, that section of Paul's letter, he talks about the whole of creation waits in eager anticipation for the relief, uh, receiving or releasing, uh, revealing of the sons of God. And he goes on to write, he says, all creation has been held in futility. Creation is not what it was meant to be. 
And there is a sense here that all creation will become again what God intended it to be because of the work of Christ. I'm not saying that trees have souls. Don't, you know, start writing on Facebook that, you know, that kind of uh, thought. But there is a sense that in Christ, all things, you, me, heaven and earth will be made new. We read in Revelation that there will be a new creation. We will have a dwelling with God and God will have a dwelling with us and there will be a light that needs no sun or moon. We will just live in the midst of the light. A new creation. And I think that is partly what John alludes to here. That all things will be released in Christ. And by this, he continues, we know that we have come to know him, that is Christ, if we keep his commandments. If we want to know Jesus, if we want to know God, we know him by keeping what he has commanded us to do. What he has set down for us. John continues, whoever says, I know him, I know Jesus, I know God, but does not keep his commandments, he is a liar, and the truth is not in him. That's pretty harsh words. If we don't commit, uh, uh, keep the commandments of God, John says that his truth is not at work in us, and if we say we love God but don't keep his commandments, we're lying. We're not holding to the truth that we say wow, we believe in. The truth, Jesus, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If we say we know that one who is the truth, we show that love by keeping his commandments. Verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, in him the in him, truly, the love of God is perfected. It's made whole. It finds its completion. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. John says if we say we abide in Christ, and Christ in the Gospel of John, John records that Jesus says, abide in me and I will abide in you as a branch abides in the vine, so abide in me and let my word abide in you. This is a key thought for Jesus. It's a key thought that John brings up. And if we say that we will abide in him or do abide in him, then we should walk like Jesus. We should do the things that Jesus did. We should 
love other people, even the most unlovely. We should offer forgiveness even to the person who doesn't deserve forgiveness. We should walk like Jesus walked. Let's be real honest. That is nigh impossible apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And if you do not take time, if I don't take time every day to surrender myself afresh and new to God, to say, Holy Spirit, have your complete rule and reign in me, I am uh, not going to walk in Jesus' walk very well. I need to do that on a regular basis. Then John goes on to say, for those of you who are wondering what the commandment of God is, let me tell you, beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but the commandment that you had from the beginning. It's always been there. He started with the word beginning back in chapter 1, verse 1. Here he brings us back to it and he says, this commandment that I'm going to tell you about is not uh, something new and different, but it's something that has always been there. The the Jews uh, knew about it back in Moses' writing in, in Deuteronomy that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus adds to that, and your neighbor as yourself. He said... It's an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. You know this. You have committed it to to memory. I was in Wes's Sunday school class today making sure that he wasn't a heretic. And we, uh, we cleared that up. He is truly not. He teaches well the word of God. But he talked about the, the rabbis and the Pharisees who had committed God's word to their heart. You realize that they didn't have chapter and verse. They just knew the Torah. It was hidden in their hearts. John says, to those of you who have done that, you know the commandment. It's not far from you. But then he says this, but... At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in Jesus and true in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. It's an old commandment, and yet it's a brand new commandment. It's old because God had given it as a direction to his people, and it's New in the fact that it is born out to its perfection in the person of Jesus Christ. 
the true light shining in the world. It's true in Jesus. And as the light Jesus is shining in you, you're able to keep that commandment. Verse 9, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. I remember um, once growing up, actually I remember numerous times growing up because I was a slow learner, I used the word hate in the presence of my mom. And my mom says, don't ever say the word hate. That is too mean. That is too rough. That is too harsh. We are not to hate anyone. I'm still wondering about liver, though, if I can say I hate liver. But my mom had a point there. It was a scriptural point that even Jesus talks about when we looked at the Sermon on the Mount. Um, that Jesus says, um, you have heard it said, you shall not murder. But I say to you, whoever looks on someone with, with hate, whoever says to the person, you fool, is guilty of murder. Hate is a serious offense. Whoever says he's in the light, verse 9, and hates his brother, hates his sister, is still in the darkness. The light of Jesus is not working in you. Have you ever said, um, out of the quietness of your mouth, That guy's a real fool. Have you ever said, um, that guy just frosts my cake? Have you ever said, um, I hope I never see that person in the supermarket? Have you ever been in the supermarket like I have and you see that person coming to you and you step into the next aisle so you don't have to meet them face to face? You do not have love. The light of God is not shining in you. And I think God in his word in John's letter right here is making it clear that to harbor that kind of ill feeling toward another person, to say that I dislike the person so much I can not talk to them in a civil way, that I can uh, don't like being with them. They just upset me. The Word of God says then we are walking in darkness, and the light of light is not shining in us. Verse 10, whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him. It's 
not in the brother that we are abiding in, but in Jesus. We are fulfilling Jesus' word that we abide in him. And the way that we prove that we are abiding is by loving our brothers and our sisters. And if Christ is living in us, if we're walking in the light, there is no cause for stumbling. If I think ill against a brother or a sister, I will stumble. I will fall. Because I'm walking in the darkness. You've lived in your home, many of you, for maybe decades. And yet when all the lights are off in the house and the furniture hasn't been moved for decades, you walk through the house like this. Because the last thing you want to do is stub your toe. We know how painful that is. We can stub our toe in the middle of the night and things come out of our mouth that, well, we won't talk about it. If we walk in the darkness, even though we know where things is, are, we will stumble. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. And we can see where we're going. And if it's not enough, John finishes up this section by saying, whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So we learn in the passage how God loves us. That God is in, uh, incredibly in love with us. That God loves you. You are uh, always thought of well by God. Even when we are sinners, God's love for us still moves out toward us. The scriptures say, for while we were still sinners, while we were still unrighteous, God showed his love to us. God loves you intensely. And we also learn um, how our love is to be toward God by obeying his commands. And we also find how our love is to be uh, toward one another. It should be a selfish, selfless, did I say selfish? Selfless love, a giving love, a love that puts our self aside and reaches out toward the needs of another. So here's my challenge for you today, for the, this week. I want you to take time to stop.
Go for a walk. That can be stopping. Sit in your chair. Get in your closet, wherever you can stop. And I want you to consider God's love for you. Just dwell on that, how much God loves you. And then I want you to take some time and consider your love for, for God. And then I want you to consider your love for your neighbor, for your brother, for your sister. And then as you consider those things, express them, do them. For in loving our brothers and our sisters, we show our love for God, all that he has done for us. That's right. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is Bethesda M. B.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy.org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.